Welcome to Restaurant Inc., the business of food podcast. Each episode, our hosts discuss the important and exciting aspects of the food service industry and what you need to know to be successful in this business. From ways to build customer traffic, increase profits, re-engineer your menu, and so much more. What are the hot new items and trends in food service? We'll discuss these and more each episode. If you are in the food service business and you want to see more growth, more customers, and more profits, our expert hosts and their guests will take you there. And now here's your host, Adasha Townsend, Managing Editor of Restaurant Inc. Magazine. You'll be inspired by this comeback story of a chef who refused to be defeated. Chef Tai Dang shares his incredible journey from Vietnam to one of Chicago's most celebrated restaurateurs as the owner of Heisu and Cafe Da. This is a must listen. I've known you for a long time, yeah. but I don't know your backstory. So let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, how long have you been in the United States? And I've, I've, we, we moved here when I was uh, in the late 80s. So I was like six years old Okay. Uh, at the time. And um, we left Vietnam under this program. This is really cool um, because of the war and, and uh, you know, all the GIs and uh, that, that was occupying, you know, Vietnam for, you know, be, even years before the war even happened and then when it happened and then after the war was over uh there was this predicament huge predicament there was a lot of single mothers um with half american half vietnamese babies and there was a town set up and it's called children of the like literally children of the dust uh, it's a town that uh, had all these uh single mothers that were trying to raise these uh kids up uh, because they get shunned away from the town, their mm -hmm. family. Um, and my mother at the time, she just knew that there was no future for us. Because I'm the youngest of six boys and three girls. And uh, my dad's a carpenter. My mom's a farmer. And, you know, she grew up in extreme poverty. I mean, that's a whole nother, uh, you know, uh, podcast. You talk about her life. But okay. for her, she she knew that there was no future for us and that I would be probably selling cigarettes on the streets or something. Oh my. And so her friend told her, Hey, there's a program and there's a lot of families are leaving Vietnam right now. And she asked about the program and this program allowed you to take your half American, half Vietnamese, you know, uh, child, uh, to, to the U S. And so my mom, uh, went and scoped it out and visit that, uh, shanty town literally mm -hmm. in the woods. She said she like it was just shacks set up and single mothers or and th they have their whole little community there. And the first boy that came up to her and hugged her is my adopted brother. Oh, yeah. Really cool. So th there is a whole story to that. But because of him, we were able to leave Vietnam uh, under the program. But before we could even get into the United States, uh, we were refugees in Pataan in the Philippines. OK, so in the Philippines, uh, we were there. Uh, for uh, I think under a year mm -hmm. very fortunate a lot of family have been there for years how old were you at that time yeah I was six going on seven okay yep and um, there was a big volcano that erupted and we knew my mom was like oh man this is death this is it we're oh. done uh, there's when you go to Haisu and you walk to the Your restaurant. restroom yep correct my restaurant uh, you see these photos of my family up and that is a hundred percent original photos. I don't know how we got it. It's of my family and my siblings sitting there and it's all ash behind them is because that was the aftermath of the volcano. My God. And so that time period got 
you know, encapsulate it like that. Okay. And for me to tell that story, I had to like put it up in the wall. Mm-hmm. But that's because of him. And there's five ID cards, and in the middle is my adopted brother. And because of him, we left Vietnam. And so, of when we were in the Philippines, and the volcano happened, my, my parents were freaking out because uh, they didn't know what was next. But we were so fortunate. We got the papers, and the officials who was in charge was like, "Hey." a family sponsored you and it was a couple down in Champaign-Urbana with a help of a nonprofit Catholic charity uh, organization together sponsored uh, my family. Wow. And we landed in Champaign-Urbana in the winter of 1990. <laughs> in the winter, no yeah. doubt, but hey, that yeah. was better than volcano. So, so that's where we started and, my, you know, we, we were there for a year and a half and my mom was like, oh, well, this is not the America that... Uh, um, that that I, that I was she promised that, that she right? envisioned, you know? It was very... Because, I mean, at the time, there was a very small percentage of Asian down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. my mom found out that there's some of her close friends and long-distant relatives who lived in northern Virginia. Uh, there's a community of Vietnamese there. And I now I think it's like the third largest Vietnamese community in the United States. Outside, you know, in North uh, Carolina? No, 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 uh, Northern Virginia. Oh, Northern Virginia. Yeah, Northern Virginia. Okay, twenty minutes outside Washington D.C. Okay, and and so, uh, my parents uh, took a Greyhound bus, uh, visited, and was like, "Wow, I like this place." They came home and they said, "We're gonna pack, and we're gonna move." And so I remember that move. My whole family and I <laughs> took a Greyhound bus to Northern Virginia and got picked up. So did you eat a lot of Southern cuisine when you were in Virginia? Uh, yeah, I mean, I had, you know, friends. Uh, what, you know, I grew up in Northern Virginia, and this suburb is like 20 minutes outside of D.C. So you have, like, uh, kids that are at parents that are, like, you know, work for the Pentagon, yes. work for the government. <laughs> really pretty wealthy, um, you know, county. And my parents couldn't afford it, obviously, but they did their best. They got a house. But first, we rented a house uh, and lived there for a few years. And then finally, my, my, my siblings were like, you know what? We're all going to pitch in and help mom and dad. And so they found a house in Burke, Virginia at this, you know, s- the suburb of northern Virginia. And that's where I grew up and went to high school. And, uh, you know, my mom's vision was to not allow us to be in the ethnic pocket so that we could have an equal opportunity to, to grow and and. and, and all her hard work, Mm -hmm. you know, to get us out of Vietnam. She didn't want it to be wasted where I'm, you know, surrounding myself with, uh, you know, gangs and and in another area. So we we were in this very nice neighborhood and all my siblings had to take two jobs to help pay the mortgage and all the bills. And I was very fortunate. And my older brother, who's two years older than me, we were considered the youngest in the family and, and babies. So every love and care was into us. So that we could have the American system. Oh. So I went through, you know, elementary school. Mm-hmm. I had my first American friend. Had my first <laughs> sleepover. You know, had cereal for the first time. You know, like all this stuff. Like, uh, you know. Um, so yeah, that's where I grew up in Northern Virginia, Burke, Virginia, and I went to high school. Um, and I wasn't the best of students. You know, I I guess because they they kind of spoil me and mm-hmm. I, and I didn't really take school serious but then uh, something clicked you know I I wanted to cook uh because w- while growing up my mom was was you know cleaning other people's homes and babysitting other people's kids cuz my siblings didn't have kids yet they were 
growing up and they were okay. having you know their jobs and and helping support the family but but once my mom uh was comfortable and my my siblings got married and had kids she's ended up staying home to help take care of the grandkids okay um but before that growing up i had to stay home come home from school and and you know uh take care of myself and my brother and i just hang out and do our homework and so my mom would just call home like hey how was school blah blah did you eat are you hungry I need you to do this for me for to get dinner ready. So when dad comes home and when your siblings come home and I come home, uh, dinner will be hot and rice. And she would teach me how to make rice out of rice cooker or in a pot or make soup. And she would have everything done already because she would wake up early, get it prepped out. Mm -hmm. And then I just need to finish it, bring it to a boil, add this, <laughs> wait for the. She like instructed me. Um, and then in, in the, she would write it in Vietnamese, but then she was, it, it was her way of teaching me Vietnamese when I was so like, no, against it, you know, right. <laughs> um, I was so immersed into this American life, but because of that, I ended up loving to cook. I remember the joy, uh, that when she got home and she saw that I did everything that she instructed me and the dinner turned out great and, and everyone loved perfect it. Rice. Perfect Yeah, perfectly cooked rice, uh, perfectly fried chicken, mm. Vietnamese style with you the fish sauce. You were making the fried chicken? Oh yeah, she would marinate it and she <laughs> like, you know, I got a pot of oil, turn it on and then throw a little piece in there if it bubbles, then mm -hmm. yes, it's ready, but don't crowd it. She like, like teach me like a chef would. Nice. You know, she put a lot of patience into that. Where did she learn these recipes? From her mom and well, she always say like, she was a terrible cook because when she was raising my siblings, she was always in the field getting the vegetables, mm -hmm, harvesting, she was a farmer. and then she would bring it to the to the grocery store or to the market, okay, um, and try to sell it. And she would be there all day selling everything that she had, and uh, so she didn't have time. So my sisters, my older sisters, were awesome cooks because they had to fulfill her role, okay, right. And so when we came to the U.S. and when she started, uh, you know assuming her role uh, you know and working uh for other people and coming home so she started to learn some of the recipe and and you know replicate what she learned from her mom uh while my sister was helping her too but my sister were all working and, and, and as well so my role was just to really help her get things together towards the end uh and and that's where my love of cooking started and and i knew i wanted to cook but it took a while because if you know any Asian friends, or <laughs> it's the toughest thing because they want you to be like doctors, you know, scientists, right. lawyers, you know, engineers. And here I was, uh, my senior year, and all my friends were accept got accepted to college, and my best friend is like going to like amazing school and gonna go to you know medical school. And here I was, I was like, oh, I'm going to community college first, you know. I don't even know what I was gonna do, uh, but. Um, it was my high school uh, uh, high school teacher. He was like, you're very artistic. Like, you know, I, I love to draw, but, you know, and, and he saw that I, I was really into that. My mm -hmm. hands, I was really good with my hands. And he was like, you know what would be good? Cooking. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, my wife teaches at this uh, recreational school, but they have a professional school. You should check it out. And so he, he, he gave me her business card. And I called the school and I talked to her and she's like, yeah, we have a, another um, location that focuses on culinary arts. Mm -hmm. You should look into it. And then I was like, oh, okay. And I put it aside. And uh, I enrolled myself into culinary, uh, into culinary program at a community college just to check it out. And the first thing, it just hit me. I, I fell in love with it. 
like the minute I held a knife, I was taught how to, you know, do all the different, you know, French cuts and, and making stocks and all very simple. This mm-hmm. was like, you know, community basics. college basics, basic, but I was excelling in it. And my, 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 my instructor at the time had a, had a catering company and she was like, well, why don't you come and help me? Wow. I was like, okay, I'll come and help you. And I helped her a few gig and I fell in love with that. And she saw potential in me and she's like, I, I think you should take this further. I'm like, really? And so she helped me. She's like, okay, why don't you look into this program? Uh, you know, CIA, all this stuff and all this culinary school. I was like, I don't think I could afford that. But then I remember my high school uh, teacher with mm-hmm. L'Academie de Cuisine, which was in Gaithersburg. It's like an hour drive. I was like, okay. So I applied and I wrote an essay about my family and my childhood and, you know, how we are immigrants and, and I'm the youngest of, you know, uh, all, all the siblings and, you know, <laughs> uh, I got accepted and they gave me a grant and I got a scholarship and that was my p- down payment for culinary school. Nice. And in, in the meantime, I was working with her while I was going to school. Mm-hmm. So that's where my love and passion for cooking stemmed from. So you know, were you learning mostly American recipes or was it it was French global French yeah it was French like French That's technique you're so great at it and then and then global okay. uh, as well because they, they want to teach you other uh, cultures cuisine mm-hmm. right and so for me uh, I just fell in love with it and in school I remember um, while I was in um, the high school, Getting ready to go to the community college, I was working at a bakery shop, uh, decorating cakes, and 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 being you know the guy that sets up the coffee and all the mm-hmm. pastries and the cashier basically, okay. and the baker. And uh, I I was gonna go to pastry school because I fell in love with pastry <laughs> too, but I switched my 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 uh, to to um, you know savory. But at that moment, I just felt so comfortable in 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 that setting. And even, you know, at the culinary school, I was, I had the, you know, experience because I was already cooking at a, you know, in a professional kitchen Mm -hmm. locally at a restaurant down the street from my, where I grew up. Uh, And so when I went to culinary school, it was just natural for me. I was just the first one to finish things. I was the first one to understand what I was horrible at the written stuff, but like practical, I was just like, I, I was on it. You're listening to the Restaurant Inc. The Business of Food podcast. We'll be back in just a moment. But first, are you running a restaurant, working in the food service industry, or just a lover of food? You need to check out rfsdelivers.com and see all the tools and insights available to you to help run a profitable food service operation. Want some new recipes to wow your customers? We have those too. Come see us at rfsdelivers.com and get the tools you need and the inspiration you crave. Running a restaurant comes with many challenges, and Reinhardt Food Service has the tools to help meet the needs of your food service operation. Check out rfsdelivers.com and find out how our team can help find more profits, build customer traffic, and create buzz around town for your growing restaurant. Get it right from us. And now back to our conversation. So yeah. I want to fast forward to you now yeah. and you the way you cook now and what you've done with Vietnamese cuisine and how you yeah. transformed it to make it your own. How did that come to be? That came to be, oh, now that's a great question, but it, it takes me back to Mbea, you know, when I had my first restaurant. Yes. You know, I moved here um, over 10 years ago to work for Chef Laurent Gras at L2O. Mm-hmm. And I knew Michelin was coming into Chicago to grade, uh, to, you know, to establish um, the stars here and everything. And, 
and I was inspired by you know my my trip to Spain and eating at Mission Star restaurant, and I wanted to really take my my career to the next level, and so I uh, I moved here to work for Laurent and and at that moment I was learning so much technique and 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 modern cooking and all this stuff, and I had this traditional background and. I just felt so uh, comfortable in in my role, uh, and then when I met met my business partner, uh, and we formed our you know restaurant group and opened up Embea, which is you know down the street from here, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we were part of the, like you know the restaurant role. We were like on the street with top dogs. I yes. mean, Stephanie Izzer was killing it and still killing it at the time, and and when we were building out, you know. Curtis Duffy was building his place out, and he, you know, and out and Blackbird and Avec so was right the street. across <laughs> the street. And uh, but in my heart, I, I knew I wanted to cook. But at the moment, I I wanted to do progressive Asian. I remember in our meeting, it was like, what should we do? We were, I was like, no, I don't think I'm ready to do Vietnamese, but I'm ready to just do like a bomb like P.F. Chang's. <laughs> I always say that, but that's real. You know, I'm not going to lie about it because that's what was my, the platform that I was like, I, I want to do an Asian restaurant that was just like amazing. And, and it was like, I'm, I'm from Vietnam and near Southeast Asia, you know, part of Southeast Asia. And I just wanted to highlight those flavors and nuance and textures and, and everything. So we, we coined it, you know, Embea. And Embea was my, my nickname growing up. Oh. It, it means the little one. Oh. That's what my siblings call me okay. to this day. And Bea, the little one. Okay. No matter how old I am and what I have now, <laughs> you're they, in Bea. I'm, I'm still in Bea. <laughs> they treat me like a, like the youngest. My mom still treats me like her youngest son, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, uh, we coined it Progressive Asian, and so it was just taking the nuance and flavor and texture and and all this stuff of of Southeast Asia uh, and the surrounding countries around there. And then some reason during that moment. I started to get comfortable, and and I always tell my cooks that, and my, my guys that work with me is like, don't be so hard on yourself when you're at a restaurant and you're working your way up, and you're not gonna cook that chef's food when you're done, when you're cooking. You're gonna cook your own food one day, and when you're in your own comfort, your own kitchen, and you get to do whatever you want, that's when you know that's your style. Mm. And so, I was, you know, 27 years old. 26 years old, I signed the lease to what? that 7,000 square foot space. Okay. 27 years old when I celebrated, when we opened. We opened June 21st. My birth is in July, and I turned 27 when, when Embea wow. was in operation. And after that, I was in this zone of mine. I was like in it day in and day out. Literally, I don't think I ever, we took vacation or days off, maybe one day or half a day. But I was in it, but I loved it. I loved it. And, and then I started experimenting with my flavors and i would find ways and 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 see what vietnamese cuisine and what we were doing and i would introduce it into my menu and i i I didn't tell my staff that it was influenced by vietnam and 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 my mom Mm -hmm. or my siblings i just kept it low-key for myself and then we got all these awards and and you know we were uh uh, Esquire Best New Restaurant, mm-hmm. I was Food and Wine nominated, all this stuff. And I was like, but to me, I was focusing on my craft. And then a few Vietnamese guests would come in and saw it, and they're like, and they came and talked to me. They're like, I knew it had to be a Vietnamese chef back here. <laughs> you know, because they were like, I can't believe it. It didn't look Vietnamese, but when I tasted it, it had Vietnamese to it. I'm like, yes! <laughs> and I remember my excitement. I remember telling Danielle, my wife, I was like, 
at the time we were dating we weren't married yet and i was like oh man i was doing this stuff and it, it, it turned out great and this is what i'm doing and she would taste it and it just stemmed from there and that's where it grew and my passion i said you know what I want, and eventually I wanted to have a restaurant that was Vietnamese mm -hmm. and, and that was focused on that and, and deliver that. And, and Bear fell apart on me. I lost it. You know, my, my partner embezzled all my money and left the country on me. And here I was, you know, uh, looking at, you know, all the papers and reading about other chefs and all the uh, breakups and heartaches. And here I was going through that. And that was at a pivotal point in my life where uh, I just, realized that you know everything that i've worked so hard for uh was all gone like literally i remember that day when i came home carrying my stuff uh you know to danielle and and she looked at me and she knew like oh shit, went down but this is like uh, have been building up and when i lost it and we were just sitting there it took a while we were in this deep dark space of ours and we, we lost everything and and going through that moment and realizing and it took a while but at one point she said ty you are the talent and uh we are the talent and i think we can do it again and that's where it sparked it just sparked this idea this love this passion and said you know what like i love chicago i love it here uh there are there are people that support us there are people that believe in us there are guests and chefs and colleagues but it didn't it felt good, but it wasn't the, the driving force. The driving force was us, that mm -hmm. we were still together, that we will still do it again. And so Danielle is an architect uh, when I first met her. And she, she didn't practice it because when she moved here, uh, the economy was, you know, you know, right. and so she didn't get a job and she wasn't certified here. So, you know, all these different level, entry level, it wasn't even available for her. So she she worked in the restaurant industry. Okay. And, and she was... She got the job at the leasing hotel where Attila was, mm -hmm. and she was the she was running the beverage program for the balls uh, for um, was it uh, that little speakeasy Bernard's? Yes, Bernard's. Yeah. I loved it. and so she mastered her the craft. She studied every single bottle. She knew the history, and so she started like uh, doing that. But she helped Embea and created the beverage program for Embea and got awards and and recognized and traveled and did gigs for that too. And so it was like boom. We, we had the food, we have the beverage, and, and then she's like, I will design a restaurant. I'm like, yeah, let's do it, you know? And so we got everything together. Literally, it was like, I, it felt like an attorney, but it, it was in a period of time where we reacted and really gathered our stuff together. And I was fortunate enough to still have the support of my brother who, who lost in that whole deal with me too, but he believed in me. And he said, you, you know, you're, you're my youngest brother, and uh, I truly believe in you. I believe in your drive. I believe in your work ethic, and we'll get through this. I really feel that all of this is why you have been awarded, got, why you've been garnered so many awards and accolades because of your do that but i think your story is so yeah. inspiring and people have looked at that story yeah. and i really appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking about this and um all of your successes will inspire other restaurateurs and chefs as well yeah thank you thank you you know for for us it's like rebuilding back again and it was such an amazing feeling to know that I have someone that support me 
like my Rye or Die and that's yes. Danielle. And, and she stuck by me through the times where I was uh, starting out and I was going through a partnership that she, she knew something was wrong, but uh, we didn't have anything solid. And so I went with my, with my heart and my gut and I was like so invested in it and I tried to make it work and it didn't work and I failed at it. And, and that feeling was horrible. And, but then for her to stick by me and, and, and say, you know what, let's do it together again. And, and she was the one that came up with Hai Su. Hai Su means two pennies. H-A-I. Two pennies rubbing together? Yeah, oh, rubbing together. I, I didn't know that either. Yeah, That's and great. if you look at our logo, the coin, mm-hmm. um, it, there's a lot of significance to it. It's, it's you know, like the penny, right, right. a coin. Um, and Hai in Vietnamese is two, and su, dong su, but also the French for coins too, but it has another meaning, culinary, it's like sous chef, right? Second in command. We see each other as equal, mm-hmm. and that we were built mm. this together. I and if it. you look at the H, the logo of the H, like two people hugging each other. It's two arms reaching out. You have to look to at one. that again. Yeah, you gotta okay. look at it. It's very, <laughs> to us, it's deep. To it. us, it's very deep, uh, and, and not a lot of people know that, but that was it. That, w- that, that was the catalyst to it. That was... Uh, the seed that planted that was planted in 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 our head and and I was fired up and I was going through this big breakup I mean publicly mm-hmm. we were on top of it and then we were bottom of it we were to a point where we didn't even go out and when we go out people looked at us differently and mm. everyone picked their sides you know and then of course and Bea was operating and he had another chef in and and they were on the papers and here we are we were just left in the dust with this bag of debt that we need to pay off and all this stuff and boom litigation happened we won our lawsuits and he just disappeared from out thin air boom and i was left with all this debt and they were going after us and and in the meantime you know gathering myself together and and literally we i went through seven lawyers it's crazy seven lawyers i'm not even exaggerating I had lawyers that billed me for conversations that had nothing to do with what we were doing. And I had lawyers that didn't even know uh, the magnitude of this. And I even had bankers that were on this thing with us, didn't even know. They just like had to do their job. And I just look around, I just said, you know, you're you're just like everyone else. It's like nine to five, you just care about that. And I know you're not gonna look into it deep at all. And it took a amazing reporter and I will always remember this is Peter Frost who wrote that article that really exposes our the truth and mm-hmm. their story and is because of him um, the state attorney saw it and took on the case and that's what indicted Attila mm. and uh, for for the wire fraud it's because of that article because after my uh, litigation civil litigation uh, the lawyers like uh well we're on a t- contingency he left the country eh, whatever I'm like no you don't understand like you don't understand the magnitude of this. The banker, everyone, just disappear. Everyone's just like, oh, not my job, you know, uh-huh. like like that kind of mentality. And and we were going through this whole thing, and and that's what fired, that what fueled it. But on top of that, I am so proud of what we have accomplished. Uh, and in the meantime, while we're doing that, I just look at myself and I said, you know, I come from a great family of just loving people, and I would never allow this to change who I am. I will be authentic as possible. And I think it even made me stronger as a human being. It made me stronger as a chef, as a husband, as a man, as a friend. Um, it just solidified who I am as a, as a person and, 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 and not care so much anymore what people think. But, uh, you know, I always look at like chasing my own self, like my own hero. 
you know, and, and being a better person, mm -hmm. even though all this thing had happened to me, um, losing the business, uh, being put in the public like that. And uh, there was no end. You get to that point in your life of, of like depression and, and of, of like self-loathing, of self-doubt and say, am I good enough? Look at all these people. And then everyone around you was just, life was just going by you fast. You know, people were being written about and talk about and here you are, nothing, silent, silent. And you don't even want to go out. You just don't want to live like at a, at a moment that was so deep. But it just took us to get each other out. And there were low points, high point. One of us was sad. The other one's like, come on, we can do it. We can keep doing it. And then Haisu happened. And Haisu opened up in 2017. And we opened up bare bones, man. I, I, I had no money. I mean, I had like not even a few hundred dollars in my bank account. And all my money has been gone to right. lawyers, through litigation, through rebuilding, uh, and in and, and my another getting another loan. And at that time, we were just preparing. And and literally, Danielle and I look at, at the counter and said, we need to open. And we just open. We didn't even tell anyone. And we open in a way that, uh, but in the meantime, while we were doing that, we thought about the community. We thought about us. We thought about what we wanted to do. And we moved down already in Pilsen and we already got this space and we found great landlords that were willing to believe in us. And it was amazing. I got to thank them that too. And, and, and they really uh, saw something in us and say, okay. And they took a chance with us because we try to go back here. No one did. Everyone gave us crazy numbers. And, and, and when you tried to go back to the West loop, the West loop and no one wanted to take a chance on, mm. a, on a losing horse. Right? No one's going to bet on a losing horse. And so Pilsen was it. Pilsen was the spot. We moved down there. We invested in the community. And on top of that, while we were doing it, Danielle was like, you know, no. Uh, she built this amazing thing. You know, she, we asked to have a bench because we have a, a bus stop right in front. Mm -hmm. And she wanted the, this bus stop uh, to have a bench for the guests because, you know, they're going to be standing in front of our space. And it took a while and boom. She was like, you know, screw it. She got onto the drawing plan she extended this little thing in front of our our our, our uh, entrance area and now there's a bench built into our building for the people to sit down while they're waiting for the bus and we she did that because thinking that they're going to be sitting here in front of our space uh and so she just told the the concrete guy hey i want you to build and she taught him how to frame it out and how to extend it out while we're she's building a great architect oh great architect she she thought beyond and we we our, our mind and our vision just changed. And instead of thinking of for ourselves and rebuilding for ourselves, while we were doing that, we were thinking of others. So we hired all local uh, uh, contractors. And on top of that, she went and she, we became our own general contractor. And so that we could hire all these general uh, subcontractors that were using other people's and working for big companies. And they were starting out. They're immigrants too. And they didn't know. They were afraid. And so she's like, come on. And then so she designed their business card got them certified and, and licensed in the in Chicago. And some of them now have thriving businesses. Then we were using that as, as a fuel for us. Okay. And, and because she walked down the street and she said, hey, I'm building this restaurant here. Would you like working with us? And they're like, yeah. And so when you walk into Haisu, from the concrete to the plywood to everything, it was built by all business owners in Pilsen. And majority of the employees that help us open all with, within a one-mile radius of Haisu, and we just knew that this was it. And that's where we 
took it as a as a point of rebuilding our life but thinking for others and and being good people in the meantime and to just take all the hate and all the pain that we went through and just turn it around and say this is who we are and it's not going to deter us it's not going to break us it's not going to make us uh put up the shell and we did have a shell we had this shell of that everyone was just out to get us and some were mm. you know but it just changed and and i am i feel more free i feel more seriously i feel more happy i feel more uh, creative and I and all I want to do is is build Haisu up and build Cafe Da and working up you know with Time Out and being uh, having a kiosk there is such a great honor but for me is to show my 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 guys and I have young guys working mm -hmm. with me and I say that you can too can have this and whatever I, I am going through I promise you you will never have to go through that if you only listen and I will teach you and I tell them that you're going to college uh, without paying for tuition. <laughs> And in return, I'm paying you. I love and it. And so I changed that. I changed that model. And that's why our, our team believes in us because I tell them, I said, you have to change it because you are conditioned to work your butt off and eat by a trash can and then uh, finally one day become a sous chef, an executive chef, and then open up your own place. And then you don't even know the business side. And then you find someone that knows it and then they screw you over or then it doesn't work. I want you to absorb this. And I tell them, just like I said, 30 minutes ago and I'm sorry I'm <laughs> rambling but I, and I say this I said you you are you have to really take control of it and and change your mindset and say what am I doing and if I'm doing this I want to be the best at it and if I'm doing it uh, I want to learn everything and that you just not one-sided and and just like how my vision was to 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 learn from my mistakes right and changing that conversation and so we change conversation in our, our, our workplace in in the staff from front of the house to the back of house and say that if you want to be a business owner you too can do this you want have dreams you can but you need to really work hard and put in that work and understand what is it that is special okay and everyone can can have that so. Thank you. I, I really appreciate yeah. this, Ty. I mean, this is this is a great conversation. So thank you so much. Yeah. Again, congratulations thank you very on all much. your accolades. Thank you. Uh, yeah, keep our fingers crossed for yeah. you and the James Beard nomination. Yeah. So um, thank you. But thank if it you. doesn't have it, it's always next year. It's right? Always or next year. Yeah. Okay. So thank you for having me. I'm so honored. Thank, thank you. you. The Restaurant Inc. podcast is hosted by yours truly, Adasha Townsend. Produced, engineered, and edited by David Salvi and Jeff Zimmerman. Please like and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thank you, foodie listeners. That's it for this edition of Restaurant Inc., the Business of Food podcast, a production of Reinhardt Food Service. If you're looking for more resources on how to get and stay profitable, or you're looking for the latest trends in food service, go to rfsdelivers.com or check out our Restaurant Inc. magazine. Are you looking for new recipes and inspiration? Check out the Dish magazine, also on rfsdelivers.com. Tune in next time for another edition of Restaurant Inc. The Business of Food podcast. Like, subscribe today.